welcome to the Feminist News Feed. My name is Patrick. My name is Jessica. And with all the ups and downs of the past few weeks, I'm going to go ahead and say the news is on fire. <laughs> so join us for a feminist discussion about the biggest news stories of the week that impact gender equality. So I want to start us off this week talking about a huge win uh, for pro-abortion activists in New Zealand. Yay! They, um, we love a win. We do, we do. <laughs> so the parliament has just passed legislation creating safe areas around abortion providers, abortion clinics, that type of thing. Very, very important. Yeah, so this was left out of the original bill legalising abortion. It was kind of a concession at the time. Yeah, under, under consternation. Like, there were definitely strong um, groups that wanted it in. Oh, absolutely, it is, yeah. It's essential. Logically, it's essential. Yeah, definitely. Um, And so now they've been able to get it passed. Uh, They made some slight amendments to the language in order to get support from every party in Parliament. Yeah, yeah, it should be a a cross-party issue. Yeah, um, it it passed with 108 votes in favour of the bill and only 12 votes against. Very solid. Yeah, Uh, and so the bill will allow safe areas of no more than 150 metres around abortion facilities. It is illegal for people to obstruct, film and in an intimidating manner, dissuade or protest against those trying to access abortion within these zones. Yeah, so like it makes I understand that some people are concerned about freedom of speech when they're opposing something like this. But it's such a it's actually a very very small area firstly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and Freedom of speech is always limited when it butts up against other rights. Yeah. Well, always limited, but, you know, there's, there, is a, there is a capacity to limit freedom of speech yeah. within reasonable bounds um, when it butts up against another right. Yeah, when it is limited, it's because there are other yeah. rights that yeah. it would infringe. Like... Yeah, like no right, well, apart from um, certain non-derogable rights like the right to life, for example. Ooh, um, I don't know about that one. Or protection against torture, for example. Oh, um, spicy. Yes, apart from those non-derogable <laughs> rights, rights can be limited yes. within sort of reasonable bounds in a, in a democratic society. And so I would say this is quite a reasonable limitation. <laughs> I would say so. It's not that big. You can be super anti-abortion. Elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere else. And it's just, it's honestly, it's just protecting women from, you know, harassment, violence. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, for some people, abortion isn't that. Um, dramatic a decision but for some people it is a very difficult decision Uh, and the last thing you want is to be harassed or uh, intimidated Mm. while you're making that decision yeah it's you know it's funny because uh, a lot of the I guess anti-abortion activists will say you know oh uh, women are being you know persuaded to get abortions and, and to you know um you know they're being pushed into it there's one of the arguments there yeah interesting um <laughs> when they're fighting for the right to push people out of having an abortion <laughs> essentially it's 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 an interesting one you would think that in actuality the the, the sort of the the burden of stress is is very much the other way yeah you know um dissuading people from from getting mm. them so Good news. Very good news coming out of New Zealand to start us off. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, New Zealand. Now, uh, now, uh, as as 
always, pretty much always these days, uh, there's a bit of news uh, for transgender people, uh, specifically transgender women as well, uh, over the last few weeks. Any um, nice news? Well, it's a bit of a roller coaster of a time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bit of a bit of down. But we will um, shout out that it was International Transgender Day of Visibility on March 31st, Ooh. which was, you know, a very, it's a very important time of the year, uh, always to, you know, just spread recognition and understanding of uh, transgender people. Yeah, and I think it's nice as well that there's um, an international day aside from International Day of Trans Remembrance. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. like... You know, so you can... too. It's almost like remember our lives and remember our deaths. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, something that's a little bit celebratory, aside mm. from aside from sort of remembering losses. Now, if you remember, uh, there's still a war going on in Europe. There is, friends. Pretty awful. Yeah. Um, obviously, many people are fleeing the country at the moment. Mm. However, uh, trans women are reportedly being denied entry to other countries or denied access to leave the country. Because of the martial law, which was implemented on 24th of February, which prevents any men aged between 18th and 60 from leaving the country. Right. And Ukrainian border guards are simply not allowing transgender women, who are legally recognized and everything, mm. from exiting the country. Uh, because of you know, using this as an excuse. Uh, so... One woman, Judas, whose birth certificate defines her as female, had uh, this to say about it, her experience. Uh, quote, Ukrainian border guards undress you and touch you everywhere. You can see on their faces they're wondering, what are you? Like some kind of animal or something. Oh, really harrowing experience, you know? And this just, I guess, it, you know, it's just an, an extra sort of horror of the war. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like we were discussing last time, um, vul the vulnerable members of our, of our societies, mm. uh, conflict weighs most heavily upon them, typically. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's directly in, you know, being um, victims of, of attacks, but also mm -hmm. indirectly through um, issues like this. Mm. You know, you can see why NGOs are, are particularly concerned about um, the plight of uh, the LGBT plus community in Ukraine at the moment. Yeah, and I, when you... Think about um, the opposing side here as well. Russia has really strict anti-LGBTQ laws, such rhetoric against LGBT, mm, yeah. uh, LGBTQ uh, people that... You'd be terrified to stay. Exactly. Judas here, you know, transgender women in um, Ukraine are absolutely faith facing, you know, being murdered on the street by, you know, um, by the invading forces. It's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. And yet the lack of understanding, or maybe it's just a lack of empathy, is... Combo, you know, possibly. Yeah, it's preventing these women from leaving. We can't say, of course, without being on the ground, but no, yeah, of course very, not. very distressing. But yeah, it really is. And so in addition to that as well, LGBTQ plus uh, associations and human rights defenders are warning that... Since the beginning of the invasion, trans people are running out of hormones. Oh, of course. Because yeah, yeah because pharmacy closures and just lack Not of medicine in general into the country. Yeah, as well. and um, so I mean, this is really harmful to trans people's health if, of course. if they run out of hormones. Uh, yeah, so, mental and physical. Uh, definitely, and so just being able to leave just just on that level is yeah, <laughs> just so important. Yeah, seeking medical care. God. Yeah, yeah, it's really horrible. 
a really bad time over there for everyone, and especially as you say, um, you know, marginalized, already marginalized communities. Yeah. yeah. Often get it the worst, and in this case, well, I mean, yeah, like maybe not like the worst, but uh, it in a non-mainstream way. If you will, really? yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's people bearing, intersecting vulnerable identities yeah. experience harm in particularised ways. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it is really important to keep in mind that the same conflict impacts different people with different identities differently. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of difference in that <laughs> <laughs> And it's, you know, it is something that's easily overlooked of like, well, we'll help everyone, but we can only provide one type of help. Yeah, and this is why it's so important to have not only disaggregated data, Mm -hmm. so by by sex, by race, etc., but intersectional disaggregated data, which actually recognises, right, okay, how are women of colour doing? How are trans women doing? Yeah, you record all of the points and then you can sort of report on everything. Yeah, yeah. If you have have (laughs) the um, data collection capacity to do that in conflict, which is tricky, but... Definitely, yeah, definitely tricky. Capacity building important. (laughs) Come on, kids. Or... Or... No war. Oh, I know. I know. It's a thought. I don't know. Assuming conflicts sadly exist, we want better data. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, and so, like, to leave off, or to shall round we say, off. round off. That's perfect. Yes, thank you. Uh, to round off news for transgender people uh, around the world uh, today. Um, back to the UK. Uh, the that's what I think of that. Uh, the Prime Minister uh, here, Boris, made some very clearly dog-whistling, transphobic remarks. It wasn't really dog-whistling, it was just outright saying awful things. Oh. Um, yeah, I, you know what, I don't even, I'm not even going to repeat them. It wasn't, it wasn't like the absolute worst things, mm. but it's very much, you know, uh, denying sort of uh, recognition of... of Trans women being women, trans women mm. being men, you know. And for this, he was hailed by anti-trans groups. He even made, like, a, a joke at a private evening with all the Tory MPs where he said um, terribly, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Or as Keir Starmer would put it, people who were assigned female or male at birth. Which is not a joke. God um, almighty. It's really dumb. <laughs> uh, but, but also just sort of... Like little, it's it, it's funny it's when there's so versions. many when there's so many horrible things going on in the world. It's surprising when little how much little things can really be. Yeah. Enraging. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I feel like comments like that from the PM are not little things. They might be little oh, things. Oh, from a leader, that, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, <laughs> on the flip side of that, a few hours after this private dinner. I think it was the next morning, um, a Tory MP announced that they were transgender. Jamie Wallace, um, who has not yet begun to transition, but says that they want to start living their truth by telling everyone about their identity. Hmm. And of course, Boris publicly showed his support for Jamie, uh, even after making light of trans identities in private, as he did hours beforehand. Hmm. Um, It just shows that, you know, the absolute hypocrisy of the leadership of this country and uh, conservative leaders i don't know so you know uh obviously big ups to jamie for you know uh coming out um as transgender and we wish them all of the best uh for their transition and, yeah, and their future and their lives in a country which is not always the nicest to transgender people 
What country is, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, actual, though. Uh, now, let, let's uh, stay in the UK, mm-hmm. right? But move over to some other awful things that no are... Uh, Why do we do this? Why do we do this? <laughs> because that's what the news is. <laughs> uh, well, no, sorry, look, this is a, this is a bittersweet thing. Okay, yeah. yeah. Bad thing happens, good thing results later. Exactly. Uh-huh. All right, so bad thing happened in December of 2020 when a 15-year-old black schoolgirl uh, who has been named as Child Q was strip-searched by Metropolitan Police officers at her school without an appropriate adult in the room. Oh my God. She was menstruating at the time and she was targeted over unfound suspicions she had cannabis. Oh, great. Yeah. That's... Very racist. Uh, well, yes, the council report found that racism had been a likely factor in her treatment. So this is obviously. this is a little interesting. Like this has been um, all over the news in the UK, so I've certainly heard about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I didn't read it like super in depth. I read I I skimmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sort of surprised to hear it was so long ago. Yeah, it's so this um, has only come out recently, or the report yeah, so has only come out recently. Child Q has just spoken out about right, it recently. Okay. She talked to the media about uh, how traumatized she still is, um, and uh, there's been a lot of anger from her community as Makes well, sense. which is driving yeah. this, um, this publicity about it, and. Thanks to that, I guess, two of the five officers who were involved in the incident, incident have been removed from frontline duties. Brave uh, girl. Recently. Very yeah. brave girl. So, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So brave. It's, so, it's such an awful thing to think of, like, I know. strip searching a child. Like, that's incredibly invasive for an adult. Yeah, absolutely. You can see how traumatizing that would be for a child. Yeah. And, uh, obviously, there, as you said as we said there is a race element to it yeah um so it's also come out in the wake of this outrage that of the yes 5,279 children strip searched after being arrested in the past three years i hate that sentence yep 3,939 or 75 percent were from ethnically diverse backgrounds there's a statistical issue here i sense yeah well i can tell you that about 60 percent of the people in the area are white so, right. Yeah, I'm I see. Slightly disproportionate. Maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Um, now that's those stats, right? Oh, and sixteen of those children were between ten and twelve oh, years old. Oh, babies. Yeah, really awful. That's really horrible. Awful. Now those statistics also only include children searched after being arrested. Of course, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's a so child sus- Q suspect is quote. not even in those statistics, oh, you know. Think, you know, it obviously makes the the real number of children being strip searched could be enormous. Really high and we have no uh no data yeah. on it either. Oh it's my just, god. Like ugh, so shocking. But really glad that it's coming out, people are talking about it, raising awareness yeah. and that at least Two out of five of the officers involved uh, have been removed from duty. Is that permanent or are they suspended? Uh, I think there's still like a... Inquiry of some kind? Uh, you know what? I know there was there is an inquiry. I'm not sure if this is the result of it or if it's still ongoing. Okay. Uh, not sure, unfortunately. Research it yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time. I can't pause this and do the research. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> this is live. We're coming to you live. <laughs> We're in your back room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, now, I want to step away from the UK for a little bit, All if right. I can. Can I just... Go? You may. I'm allowed? 
Thank you. And uh, let's hop on over to Afghanistan, shall we? Yep. Unfortunately, cool. So a bunch of edicts, I think they were calling them, sort of basically laws are being put in place by the Taliban there. Really trying to look to turn back the clock as they themselves have actually really said. Yeah. Um, so they have banned international, some international news and drama series from the uh, television, uh, the air, the, the air, if you will. <laughs> They've banned the use of mobile telephones in universities. Uh, not sure exactly what that one's about. Men and women can only visit public parks on separate days. Women have been barred from boarding planes if they travel unaccompanied by a male relative. Oh, that's terrifying. You want to get into that? Well, I think that's a fairly obvious one. Um, Mm. Particularly as, typically, um, the biggest threat to women in terms of violence are male partners or relatives. Yeah. The fact that you can't flee without... You're you're not allowed to leave unless your abuser goes with you, basically. Possibly, yeah, which is yeah, terrifying. Yeah, I think terrifying. any sort of restriction of movement yeah, prevents well, a lot of options for women. That, that's Yeah, because that's restricting a mode of exit from violence or from oppression. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is always going to be hugely concerning. And just from a rights perspective, that's a freedom of movement concern. Yeah, that's the one. Well, you know, uh, that's obviously really horrible. Yeah. Also really horrible uh, are that girls have been banned from school after 11 years old, which is a move that the Taliban promised the international community they would not implement. This this one, honestly, because obviously I've become aware that this is happening, but this one's just so distressing. Mm-hmm. You know, education's so important. Mm-hmm. Education's so important in particular for women to fight back mm-hmm. against violence, against systemic oppression, because without really, like, being able to understand as a young adult what's happening to you mm. and why it might not be in accordance with, you know, international law. Yeah. It's exhausting and it's in- incredibly distressing. Mm. Uh, particularly as there were these protestations early on that this would not happen. Yeah, exactly. The Everybody was like, look, you better not stop girls from going to school. And they're like, well, look, we've stopped them from going to school right now, but we'll let them go back soon. First of all, is that the hmm? is that the um the statement currently? Is it no no that was that was when they first took over basically. Oh, they were saying yeah. it was temporary, right? Um, they were saying, oh, it's, this is temporary, and now in order to appease the international community and hopefully I think like try to lift sanctions or something, mm. get some aid. Um, and the international community was like, cool, look, we'll give you aid if you let girls go back to school, and they're like. I guess they've weighed that up and gone, yeah, nah, the subjugation of women in our country is more important to us than keeping people alive in our country. That's exhausting. It's really horrific. Um, and, you know, it It also in a way shows that countries in the West don't prioritise women's rights unless there's some kind of strategic advantage. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the time, interventions might be justified by, oh, well, we're helping women in the country. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, when there isn't a direct advantage to supporting women in the country, it seems to fall off genders. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And so I'm sure there's a lot more that could be um, being done to support the autonomy of, of women in Afghanistan, and it's not being done. And they're just like, yeah, no, nah, we, we, there's no advantage to us. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. It's mm, awful. Really awful stuff. So... We all know that's bad. Yes. <laughs> and we don't really need to 
keep going on it. Um, so let's jump, just, just, just jump back to England. Okay, yeah. We're England back obsessed to today. Yeah. <laughs> Great news. Uh, the government has announced an expansion of a provision which allows rape and modern slavery survivors to give pre-recorded video evidence outside of a live trial. Yes, all about this. Tell me about it, Jessica. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the, it depends on the country how open your um, court system is to people giving evidence in non-traditional ways. Mm-hmm. There might be, for example, rape survivors or um, domestic violence survivors might have the ability to give evidence behind a screen so their abuser can't see them directly. Yep. And they don't abusers. have to see their abuser. Yep, yep. And uh, another aspect is uh, pre-recorded trial evidence, which essentially means that they don't have to be in court to speak mm-hmm. about something really traumatic yeah. in front of a jury, in front of a judge, and possibly in front of their alleged abuser, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's so, what this is. Yeah. It, it's basically, it's a means to alleviate distress as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the countervailing concern is, does this impact the alleged abuser's fair trial rights? Is it harder to judge their credibility when it's pre-recorded? That sort mm. of thing. So there's there's some arguments on both sides, um, but there's certainly a very strong argument for alleviating the, the really intense distress of testifying about this sort of thing yeah, as much as possible. Absolutely. And I mean, this, uh, so this one, uh, as I say, is pre-recorded evidence, but it's, um, you know, they're still being cross-examined um, and it is in front of like a limited number of people. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that plays out as like, yeah, the court setting without, maybe without the jury or the defendant, you know, yeah, it's got yeah. the lawyers and the judge, you know, uh, so it's still... I mean, if it's jury, you'll have to have the jury in there, but mm-hmm. um, at the very least, you know, completely closed court no no sort of um like family yeah. or members of the public or anything. well it, it's um so it's uh cross-examined pre-recorded and then that's just played during the live trial yeah so yeah, yeah. and so this is expanding so it's currently available in uh some crown courts around the country um and it's expanding out to the north northeast of england cool um and then its intention is to be expanded nationwide Great. Which is, yeah. yeah. Really awesome. I mean, still, we are ultimately still tinkering at the edge of a very, very substantial problem, which is how survivors of rape and domestic violence are treated in court. Yeah. But I'm of the view that small steps are still something to be celebrated, even mm. if we haven't dealt with court problems. Yeah. And I mean, anything that's going to avoid victims being re-traumatized yeah. is yeah, always going to be... Um, <laughs> We're going to advocate for that. <laughs> and so in addition to this, the government also announced um, support services for victims of uh, these types of crimes would be boosted by more than £440 million over the next three years. That's um, actually not bad. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Um, it's all... Considering they've only put £50 million towards um, research about long COVID. Yeah, well, yeah, so actually significant. Yeah, well, it's all basically in reaction to the public outrage after Sarah Everard and, and a yeah. few other um, high-profile murders. Yeah, um, under under pressure, definitely. De- definitely, they wouldn't do it if they weren't, uh, let's be honest. And it's also, I guess, in, uh, it's an attempt to get more sort of cases actually going to prosecution, you know? So- yeah, yeah, because there's so many... Um, attrition, which is basically... The, the different stages of, at which someone can pull out of, of, of prosecuting their alleged yeah. abuser. There's so many countervailing factors that might uh, incentivize a person just not to go ahead with it. Mm-hmm. And 
dealing, you know, like I was saying, this tinkering mm. might reduce attrition at a certain stage. Yeah. And that's still, that's still you know, um, even though we might question how, you know, useful or important criminalization and prosecution really is in this context, mm-hmm. uh, at the very least, if we're working with what we have... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> working with what we have, it is important that you don't have victims being frightened to go to court. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's... One of the big things that people have said is that, like, just the idea of having to go to court and relive it in front of a whole bunch of people and, you know, see their abuser and all that kind of thing is one of the big, big reasons why they would not continue forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's really, really great. And uh, another really great thing coming out of the UK, which... The uh, UK is popping today. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a bit of news uh, over here. Uh, <laughs> it's not just because we live here now, I, I, I promise. To tie it all up, <laughs> let's, let's put a little bow on it and, uh, you know, come all the way back around to uh, abortion expansion again. Mm-hmm. Which is just great to see across the other side of the world too. So women in England will be able to access a, quote, pills by post abortion service indefinitely after MPs voted today today on the 30th of March (laughs) it is not today (laughs) to compel ministers to make it permanent instead of scrapping the scheme in September like they were planning right so this was something that was put in because of COVID right yeah so it came in uh, 29th of August 2020 Um, they had said like this is going to be two years it in... Sucks that they didn't get around to dealing with that, like, in March. I mean, I know they were busy, <laughs> but still, that's a long time for people to wait. Yeah. At the, I guess, start? Uh, no, sorry. At, at, like, the start of this discussion on this being either extended or, or scrapped. Yeah. Um, the, basically, uh, Tories were saying, like, now we're going to scrap, we're going to vote to scrap this. Mm. But luckily, a really big push from, you know, I guess, pro-abortion, pro-choice, um... <laughs> Uh, MPs and it being a conscience vote, which all things uh, abortion related are, mm. has meant it's been able to pass uh, 215 to 188. Still so too many on the other side of that, but. Obviously, yes. But okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was basically all of Labour and 72 Conservative MPs. Oh, it might not have been all of Labour. I'm not sure how many are in Labour, actually. Mm. But um, shall we say only 72 Tories and a whole bunch of Labours and um, other MPs voted to extend it indefinitely. Excellent. Which brings it into line with Wales. We love Wales. (laughs) Already uh, recently decided to make it permanent. And Scotland is already planning to do the same as well. So it's really, really great, right? So I mean, yeah, there's there's so many reasons to be happy about that. Not only because we are still in a pandemic. Oh, what? Oh, really? For all those who have forgotten. No. <laughs> we are still in a pandemic, so mm. face-to-face appointments still carry a level of risk. Yep. Not only that, but also, say, someone's in a situation of violence and they really struggle to leave the home. Mm-hmm. Now, they're, you know, if, if this continues, they'll be able to actually make reproductive health choices for themselves, nevertheless. Yeah. yeah. And also, just in general, like, you know, if people, people living below the poverty line who might struggle to just travel to uh, an abortion provider. Have time to... Yeah, yeah, take time off work to go or anything like that. It just, it makes things so much more straightforward. Yeah. So, I mean, these uh, pills that women take at home, it's two pills, it has to be done within the first 10 weeks and it is completely safe to do so. Brilliant. And about 150,000 
women have used this service since it began in 2020. Lord above. Yeah, exactly. That was very <laughs> evangelical for me. <laughs> I mean, like that. I was, I was like, it's, it's, um, it shows what? how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so before this was introduced, you know, these types of pills were only available, like, basically through the black market or online, purchasing from other countries yeah, and getting it imported. really jacked up prices. Yeah, and so when this scheme came in, the number of people buying those pills online fell by 88%. Like, it's yeah, just it makes it's safer, <laughs> it helps so many people. It's safe, it's easy, and yeah, it is, you know, there's, there's very... Few decisions that have as much of an impact on your life as whether or not to keep a pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. So, makes sense that you should have as much control over that decision as possible. And this is one way to help with this. That's exactly right. And I mean, it it always comes back. We can sort of, you know, end this by just talking about how banning abortion or or criminalizing abortion does not stop stop abortion. abortion. It stops safe abortion yeah you know and it becomes a rich person's game yeah absolutely those that are capable of traveling to another state or another country in order to get it done legally or those that are able to basically get it done privately yeah it will have no issues at all and it just becomes really unsafe and for the for the poor for yeah yeah, for 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 the poor uh basically so yeah so this is great yeah. Very happy. That's that is. <laughs> it's good. been some good stuff. We started. Know. We started with a bright spot. We ended with a bright spot. Abortion for all. Yay! <laughs> who want it? For all who are desirous of abortions. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today uh, once again to talk about the news. Um, remember that you can find us at Twitter and Facebook at She's Right NZ on Instagram at She's Right underscore NZ. And our website, She's Right.co.nz. And you can email us at info at She's Right.co.nz. Take care. Don't doom scroll. And we'll see you next time. you next time hear you next time no they're hearing us oh yeah we will sense your presence next time kakite <laughs> <laughs>